Welcome back to another Strong Towers podcast. This is John Ackerman. And before we go any further, I just want to say Merry Christmas. I hope you all are enjoying the, the run up to the holidays. And I, I know they're straight, they're crazy. I know they're stressful, but man, there's just so much fun happening at this time of year. It's so many things that just make me stop and smile or laugh or just have a moment of delight that just can't happen the other 11 months of the year, whether it's Christmas lights or snow flurries or kids just being goofy, man. It's just so cool to see little kids running around this time of year. Anyway, uh, speaking of all those things, we're about to open up the next episode. But before we do, I just wanted to say as sort of a Christmas gift to all of us, we're going to hit pause for the next two weeks and let everybody go enjoy some well-earned family time. So this will be the last podcast that we put out for 2019. We've already got the first few episodes for 2020 locked and loaded. And I am so excited because there's some stuff coming out that I've been waiting for for a long time. Uh, but as a Christmas gift to ourselves and to all of you, enjoy the next two weeks. Enjoy them. Spend time with family. Spend time with friends. Spend time with quiet. <laughs> You know, turn off the podcasts for a little bit and just enjoy the peace that comes from this season. But don't do that right now, because we're about to pick up part two of the conversation with our good friend James Santiago Colazzi. And if you missed the last episode, I, I just want you to pause it right here and go back and check out the first half of this conversation. We spent some time talking with our good friend Santiago that Tom and I both got to meet on different occasions at the same event. Uh, it'll make sense when you go back and listen. Uh, but we were just so moved by his story that we knew we had to get him on the podcast at some point and we were able to. And so part one is just sort of walking through you know, the highlights of his life and Tom and I just doing a lot of listening. And, and, and I mean this in all seriousness, basking in the wisdom that this man has accumulated uh, through self-awareness and from not always doing it right as he's gone through these years and these miles. And one of the things that we were struck by uh, in episode one, which again, if you haven't listened to it, just stop listening now. I, I, I don't mind. Ignore me. Turn me off. Go back and listen to the first part. Uh, but one of the things that we were so struck by in Santiago's story was how often in his life he either recognized the need for an older guy to show up and help him or how often when that did happen and it wasn't always an older guy sometimes a younger but just how often there was a need for a masculine presence in his life to help him sort of figure out the next step or process the last step and that's really hitting the heart of what we're talking about here in this short series that we're calling sons of our father that as guys i mean as human beings we have a need um, for other people to help us develop. I mean, that's why we have teachers. That's why we have coaches. It, we need other people to help us, whether we like it or not, and we usually don't like it. But there is something special that happens, particularly in the life of a guy, when he is able to benefit from the experience of older guys. And that's usually one of the harder things for us as men to do is, you know, sort of check our pride and our ego and humble ourselves for at least two hot seconds and accept the possibility that there might be somebody else out there that knows at least as much if not more than we do but man when when, when that starts to happen this this idea of being fathered 
of having another male voice who's a little bit further along the road than we are, turning back and speaking into our life, speaking into our circumstances, into our fears and doubts, or into our overconfidence. There's something truly transformative that starts to take place, and we are the better for it when it does. So I hope you guys enjoy the continuation and the culmination of this conversation uh, with me and Tom and our friend Santiago. We sure enjoyed it, so I hope you do too. Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up and become strong. Uh, another very sobering truth statement uh, is, you're 38, I'm 72, I've rounded third base, <laughs> I'm headed for home. No, I mean, it's just, it's not like, I don't mean it like a, a despairing thing. It's just factual because I've spent my whole time, my whole, just like you guys feel like you'll be eternally young. I can guarantee you won't be, but you'll feel it for, uh, until all of a sudden you, you're not. And like, <laughs> uh, I've had a couple friends that have had kind of bad diagnoses and, but they're of my, my same age group yep. and it was kind of like a little tap on the shoulder, like. And then I noticed, like, if I look at obituaries, it's like, holy cow, there's a lot of guys that actually die in their 70s. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> hey, what's going on around here? <laughs> Who is moving the cheese? What's go- I've always been a young guy, you know. So that that's a, yeah. um, that's a sobering thing. But my focus is it's on my forever eternalist. And my eternalist doesn't seem like it's as far off. as It's not as conceptual. It's becoming less of a concept and more of a tangible reality to me as I, I get closer to it. So mm. I don't call it death by any means, but it is a different season that I've found myself. It's not exactly uncomfortable. I, I, I'm absolutely intentionally dug in to work on intimacy with Christ. And so I'm, I'm rereading books that I read many, many years ago, the mystics right now, I'm just pouring over Frank Laubach's, you know, um, letters, modern mystic and the whole practicing the presence of God. And it's not fair because I get to do it without the distraction of work and family. John, I, I know your situation. I know it hasn't changed from what you and your wife want when I talk about family. But yeah. at the same time, I Tom, I know that you have one. I know that it doesn't matter. Both of you are, are on treadmills, and you wonder, you must wonder uh, every Friday, how are we going to keep doing this podcast? Because it probably <laughs> must feel like it doesn't really fit into the, It's like the schedule keeps wanting to say, you got to get rid of this podcast, man. There's no time for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've gotten a whole bunch of time back, and I only wish that you could have it. But I remember wanting to pursue all this stuff in the face of that, and I remember it's, it is not, it takes even more intentionality to, to carve out of 
what seemingly is not there as far as enough, enough minutes in the day in order to pursue this intimacy, but pursue it, we must. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's no other game in town that's worth really anything. Again, I'm not trying to wax like Yoda here and kind of... <laughs> Ecstasy, you must do after, please. It's not like that. So instead of waxing poetic, how about we get practical? Can you think yeah. of like one area where you are experiencing fathering now at 72 that's different than previously? Well, like this summer, I uh, what I'm trying to do is, again, this, this term frontier, I can't claim it, but I love the term we all need to be living, kind of pushing into the frontier and into that to that next step, which is always an unknown. And so at 72, I really appreciate still finding things to press into that I've never done before mm-hmm. or that I've avoided in the past, and which any good generalist would want to do. And so, like, I built a pergola. No, that's nice. no big deal. That's like... That's a weekend project for guys with skill sets. Gentlemen, I don't have any of those. <laughs> it was it was frontier, but it was something that I just, I did it with Jesus. I didn't have any drawings. I didn't use anything. I just went out and I kind of scratched in the dirt where the, where the footings would be. And I'd, ne- I'd never put a footing in. I'd never done any of that. I had brothers that wanted to come and help me, and, and I said, "Guys, I, I need to I need to do this on my own." But it was with Jesus, and so I would just be out there, and I'm um, <laughs> like, "Kind of now, what? Now, what are we going to do?" And um, so that was uh, that was a real kind of a tangible thing. And the pergola, the pergola turned out great. And I remember being at Home Depot, and I'm looking at the wood, and the guy goes, "You seen what you you seen what you need?" I went, "Well, I'm not sure what I need, but I'm hoping I know it when I see it." <laughs> and so I had to choose between what well, the upgrade's going to be four by fours or six by sixes, and and so I'm just trying to picture the pergola in my mind. Well, yeah, that one looks good, so I'll buy four of those. And what what I love about it is the pergola is done, and it's back there, and it just sits there as this. It will always be a reminder to me of just walking with Father on something practical like that. And when I would panic, going to him to just, first of all, calm down mm-hmm. and then kind of get some insight as to, well, where might I go from here? But that would be a, that would be kind of like a tangible example. Yeah. That's real good. The backpacking thing was very much that way, that way too, because... It was Jesus that gave me that whole idea, and he, what he did is he joined, because silence and solitude, earlier on in my intentional intimacy with Christ walk, I, I kind of delved back into the disciplines, and so first I took every book I had, on, and I ordered a couple others on the disciplines, so I read all about them again, and so, but what I found out is like silence and solitude mm-hmm. are not disciplines for me. Mm-hmm. They're they're just come natural. I and the, so I learned that the stuff that you just do, like falling out of bed, those aren't disciplines. The fasting was a discipline for me until it wasn't. And and but the the point the point in all that is um, this whole frontier idea that I want to have a frontier. Jesus is the one that gave me the idea. 
There's opportunity for silence and solitude, but it's coupled with adventure. Yeah. And because I, I wanted to backpack solo, that was the adventure part. I tend to be a, a bit of a, a loner. It's that community is a discipline for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the backpacking and but then just then just watching Jesus fill in the blanks of like, well, what would I need and and then um, finding little uh, mentors and mentorettes at REI <laughs> and <laughs> they they just kind of guided me along and with a little bit of kind of twinkle in their eye like, oh, the old cuss is going to try to give it a whack here. And so um, they were getting kind of a kick out of it. And But that whole hike that I took, Tom, that you mentioned, that was a giant culmination of what started as just kind of a, uh, a little vision that was downloaded right from the father, kind of like a suggestion, like, how about backpacking is a way of combining some things? And that would be an example. And now more, most recently, I haven't done it yet, I'm just moving toward it, is um, I'm about the millionth person to watch the movie The Way and turn, in this case, to my wife and say, honey, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm still, I'm like, my, my gun is half cocked on that adventure because mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the final confirmation from Jesus. But so far, it's all green lights because I want to make sure that I don't get ahead of him. Like, hey, Lord, I, I got it. I'll take it from here. Uh, I'm going to just go on this adventure. I don't want to go out ahead of him. So I'm taking some uh, baby steps. It's still the better part of it would be a better part of a year away. Yeah. I very much um, I'm, I'm aware of him fathering me daily. That's awesome. I mean, I'm a I'm the head of a blended family, and that is just um, there's no roadmaps for that. And of all the areas I need fathering, it's that one. Mm-hmm. And being being a husband, oh my gosh, same thing. Mm. How about you guys? When you go. Do you guys have mentors in your life in the classic sense at all? I've actually just started meeting with a guy regularly because that's that's not a, a relationship that I had any experience with or that I had explored at any point uh, right. for a variety of reasons, really. Yeah, so I'm kind of having my first, not that I haven't had mentors and, you know, obviously teachers and coaches growing up and and um, that sort of thing, or, you know, learning from sages that, you know, have written books and, and that sort of stuff, but actually engaging on a relational level uh, yeah. is, is a new journey for me. And it's been really good, the conversations that we've had together. I've been learning a lot about myself uh, and how the father sees me. And, you know, so that's been been really good to to start dipping a toe into those waters for sure. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And I I actually had, you know, I kind of stumbled into it, but uh, I guess it was six or seven years ago now my first experience with any sort of gathering of guys to have meaningful conversations came with an introduction or an invitation to be a part of a group of guys that were 
you know, a decade or two older than me and were already well into career and family and kids and all that. And, you know, I was, I was far and away the youngest person in the room. And so for about two years, got to just sit around the table with these guys and, and benefit from their experiences and their wisdom and, and be asked to contribute the elements of my story and the lessons that I learned from it at the same time. And that was really, I think, one of the pivotal moments in my life uh, coming not long after, again, Jesus sort of inserted himself into my life in the most meaningful way possible up to that point. And so it was just, it was a really, again, I, I hear my story being echoed by yours of the transition out of I'm going to do what feels good to I'm going to do what feels right to I'm just going to stop trying to do so much and just sort of submit myself to a process where somebody else is at least nominally in charge. And yeah. and so that was really, I think, the, the pivot point for my life in really learning that there was a different kind of manhood available, that there was a different kind of sonship available, that there was a form of, you know, we're calling it fathering from any number of places that was available where it didn't all depend on me and it wasn't all up to me and I didn't have to have all the answers. And there was a lot to learn from people that in some cases may have blown it up worse than I did on their way to where they are now. Yeah. Um, and, and especially, and it's almost funny, like, I, I feel like I must have been a whole lot slower than I realized, but professionally, I teach history. And so it's my job, you know, to help younger people recognize the mistakes of others from the past and benefit from them. And here I was still trying to do it all on my own and fairly confident that everyone older than me was just an idiot. And I, you know, again, I don't know how I missed, you know, you missed the forest for the trees, but that element of mentoring, I, I stumbled into it and rebelled against it for a little while. Um, Uh, but it was, it was probably one of the most life saving things that's taken place in my life. And again, none of that works without hindsight. (laughs) No, but I mean that hindsight and reflection on it is just so valuable because you start to put together the pieces and the picture comes a little bit clearer into focus. And we're trying to always extrapolate it all into the future, and that doesn't work because the future is going to take care of itself and the picture might change. But at least you start to get a better sense of the tracks and how they how they came down to get you to where you are right now. And if you're anything like me, your conclusion is just pure gratitude because you see Jesus just never forsaking you along the way and nudging you at just the right time and protecting you from some excess or protecting you from some weakness of thought that could have changed everything but didn't. And you're just left with, oh, Father... Thank you. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I wanted a mentor kind of all, all my life. Not, not again, not enough to actually find one. I never did have a mentor. <laughs> but when I hear people say, oh, I've, yeah, I've got a mentor, I was, I would always be like in my, in my mind going, oh man, that sounds so good. 
And it's ironic because if, if nothing else, I'm kind of a day late and a dollar short kind of a guy, uh, as I've already related every, you know, I came into truth later. I, any, anyhow, the point is that in my readings, you know, more and more, some of the readings are Catholic sages and, um, uh, you know, the whole idea of spiritual direction came from that school. Mm -hmm. And then I still remember one of my fellow intercessors talked about, uh, we were talking and he said, I don't know, I'd have to check with my spiritual director on that. And I remember like in my head, rolling my eyes, like what? (laughs) But now we fast forward and I just had my first session with, with, a guy that we're, we're beginning that relationship and it was ever, ever so amazing. And again, I'm so thankful because God obviously anointed it. Cause I thought, come on, how's a guy? We're going to just talk. We never met. We're going to have one hour. He keeps it to an hour for sure. But by the end of even the first hour, it was like he delved into me deeper than pretty much anybody. But it was one of his questions for me, asking me, what do you think God thinks of you? In pondering that, in you know, like trying to not come up with cliche things like, uh, he loves me unconditionally, um, which is true. But I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, duh, I went to Sunday school too. I know that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as I was just listening to God, uh, listening for him, what he might say, I heard him say that he likes me. And that was like, oh my gosh, can I really like accept that? Mm. Might you actually like, I, I get how you could love me, but like me, because I know I'm, <laughs> I mean, if you haven't, if you haven't heard it by now, I will make sure that it's clear. I'm a piece of work <laughs> and to actually like me. And that, but, but anyhow, the point was that that first hour was just very, very fruitful. And so again, I'm, I'm smitten with great uh, gratefulness because there's still frontier for me uh, where I am now at, uh, even though I'm, I've rounded third and don't have any idea if, like I'm just one foot from third or am I halfway to home? I don't, I'll never get to know that, but I'm grateful that there's still, uh, he's still very actively uh, illuminating the path and, and showing me kind of next steps, mm-hmm. including a mentor type of a relationship that's beginning to form. Well, I think it's not something that we necessarily enter into easily as guys you know, we kind of have that uh, idea that we need to do it on our own and, and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And like John said, you know, well, obviously anybody that's older than me is an idiot and, you know, I, I have nothing to learn from them, you know, and so to to actively seek out that kind of relationship, I feel like doesn't come naturally to us necessarily, yeah. you know, and, and that's why I think because obviously the three of our stories converged at, at, uh, the intensives, um, you know, the emphasis on sitting under older men, uh, that have wisdom that you as a younger guy need, um, you know, is a struggle in a lot of ways. Yeah. I don't doubt it. Yeah. And you know, you've now, 
a couple of times, I think, just in this conversation, you know, sort of almost apologized for doing so much of the talking. But again, that that I think is really, you know, part of the value as younger guys when we do finally recognize, I don't know, I, again, I teach high school, so I hear this joke made a lot that, you know, from the teenager's perspective, their parents are idiots. And then it's amazing how in just a short four or five years, how much smarter their parents get. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and right. so obviously that wisdom's been there all along and we've just been poor receivers of it. And so one of the things that I've really come to value now is just sitting and listening mm-hmm. to other people's stories because yeah. I do now recognize how much value there is in it. And not that they necessarily have to have these really shiny pearls of wisdom, you know, all set up and ready to go. Right. But simply by virtue of knowing their own story, I mean, there's there's yeah. so much to take away from it. And again, right. that, that runs counter to so much of my earlier life where it really felt like this is all up to me. You know, Tom's point, pull myself up by my bootstraps, figure it all out for myself that yeah. that was the path to manhood that was the path to success and you know this notion of being fathered now even as an adult man there are still times where it feels like aren't you supposed to be past that <laughs> like you're yeah. you're an adult now you're you're not supposed to be a kid and yet how much of me is still in need of the wisdom of those that have come before and not that they've done it perfectly, but simply by virtue of not having done it perfectly, there is so much for me to learn. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even just the idea that there is perspective to have on these moments, you know, that, that you will at some point be able to look back on 38 and have a better right. understanding of, of what it is. You know, that's, when you're going through it, that's not even on your radar. And so to have those people to speak into your life and say, like, you don't know what you don't know at this point, um, you know, and and you will have a different perspective on these experiences once you have a couple of miles in between now and then um, is, I think, is refreshing, I think, is really the word I would use, mm-hmm. um, you know it kind of gets us out of the weeds of our day to day and, and whatever the stressors are in our lives at the moment. Yep. You know, it's, it's true what you just said, although it's not that helpful because <laughs> again, it, it just takes it back to the conceptual, like, well, yeah, but that, that might be great, but what do I do today? Mm-hmm. You, you know, trying to solve today's problems. And um, so unfortunately, now, where perspective can help, I mean, if you've ever ever read through the Old Testament, you know, we have all this perspective, and of course we have the perspective of history, but don't you just wish the Jews would, you just want to yell out to them, you guys, remember the stuff that God did for you just about <laughs> eight chapters ago? Where is that right now? But then all of a sudden we see in our own life, yeah, that happens to me too. Yep. I mean, yep. all the things I just shared I've been grateful for. You watch tomorrow. I'm going to go some direction in the most grateful heart, uh, and I'll totally forget for the moment about all the things that uh, I have to be grateful for. Some of which I've shared with you guys just you know minutes ago. 
Um, so the fickleness of the human being is um, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it humbles me to know that that I that's not within my power to tame that, but thankfully that's one of the things that Jesus has got in his radar on his radar for the transformation of Mr. Santiago here. But um, yep. um, yeah, you know the the um, the the perspective of like I know what you're talking about when I hear just people's stories. People, some people might go, well, what, what good is it to hear somebody's story? Well, it's not your story, but there will be things that trigger or they will remind you of, oh, that's a little bit like, because I just think the whole thing of being initiated into manhood is it's, it's, it's caught more than it can be taught. And it is, it's done by other men and it's done the best in the, in the company of other men. Mm-hmm. And there, therein lies the secret of of the a ransom heart approach. One of the secrets of of that, which I've benefited from from greatly. I'm amazed on all the ways that Jesus uses people. That at first blush, I say, "Oh, they don't. I don't think they have anything to teach me." And then they share something, and it's like, "Oh man, yeah, that is a pearl right there." And I've got my own version of how I should apply that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. So I'm, I'm encouraged, you know, um, first of all, I, I really want to give you guys kudos on what you're doing. You know, I, somewhere along the line, Tom, you were saying something like, well, we're not in the big leagues or whatever, like we had some hard guys, but I, I think that, uh, a podcast like you're doing is so valuable because, um, I think women have a much better grasp of the the path of womanhood than we men do. And um, so there can't be too many resources where guys are, are, you know, having a form to thrash through courage and and ego and humility and, um, you know, all the different kind of facets that are part of what we know that we should be going after, but we have no idea how to get there sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, your podcast is is such a form, and it um, I know it ministers to me, um, and uh, I intend to uh, continue to, to tune in. And by the way, I absolutely have absolutely no expectation <laughs> that this will be one of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm I'm serious. I'm trying to take I'm trying to take the pressure relief valve. Uh, there's no expectation on my part that uh, the, 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 you know, and like I was kind of wincing a little bit. Um, and when Mike Laro wasn't what he was going to, if he was going to be on the call, cause it's like, well, who's this Santiago guy? I mean, I mean, I can picture what it's like to be the third guy of three guys, two of whom know this, this dude. But one doesn't, and it's kind of like, well, okay, but why? I mean, okay, 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 okay. And so I was kind of thinking, poor Mike, how is he going to? And, and Mike also hasn't, and we, you know, I've mentioned Ransom Heart, and I've ran, mentioned Boot Camp. So, again, that's not, uh, that's not familiar with him. So it's no, no ding on him, but I, I, my heart ached a little bit in advance for, oh, Mike, I don't want to have you be a offended or be 
um, exasperated or be irritated. See, you know, so I know. Yeah. Well, he's going to, he's getting used to that from us because we kind of sprang Kyle Hoffman on him also. Uh, he, uh, he, he didn't really know Kyle's story. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Because uh, I forgot Kyle's story. Kyle is the, uh, the guy that did the fear podcast with us that uh, had lost oh. both of his sons. Gosh, yeah, I just I just forgot his name, but um, like that thing just had me stop my walk a couple times with oh my gosh, but I just I let the import of that massive hit to a human being's life hit me, and it just shook me. I was like, mm-hmm. but anyhow, uh, yeah. So this is no um, Mike Hoffman Hoffman podcast by any means. <laughs> this this. An old dude talking to a couple younger dudes. <laughs> well, and there's there's the value, my friend, honestly. And yeah, you know, as we were, I think, contemplating this topic that we've affectionately called Sons of Our Father, I think, like we said before, we didn't know where we were going, but one of the things that we knew we needed was people that had gone ahead of us to tell their story. You know, to not sit up on a pedestal and hold forth with all the things that we should be doing. Um, not that that's not needed, uh, but that really one of the the best one of the best ways to teach those that haven't been there yet is just to describe all the different paths that have been taken and what it's looked like, both the successes and the things that might have actually been more successful than we realized at first and the things that were emphatically not successful in any way, shape, or form other than as a teaching tool. And and so, I mean, we, we really are appreciative that you've been willing to sort of walk us through the life of Santiago and yeah. the, the things that have proven most helpful. Because again, when when we finally are willing to set aside our need to do it on our own and have all the answers, one of the first things that comes is a thirst for, okay, if the answers aren't coming from me, who are they coming from? And by answers, we just mean somebody who's managed to live long enough to offer some sort of hope and encouragement that this is possible to do in a meaningful way, to not just eke out an existence of accumulated years, but to do it in a way that seems to offer substantially more than what was first promised and ultimately prove disappointing with mm-hmm. whatever we tried earlier in life. And that's exactly the story that you've just woven with us here is you've found the thing that has offered substantially more than all that's of true. those earlier offers. And you know, you, you can argue with academic points till you're blue in the face, but you really can't argue with the the truth of someone's story. Yep. And right. that's what is so needed as, you know, we each continue our own journeys is we need someone who's a couple miles further down the road saying, I mean, you can argue with the methods all you want, but I'm standing here and here's what I look like. And so if this is yeah. any way attractional, I'm willing to tell you how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate that that you were willing to let yourself tell so much of the story and not 
withhold and not qualify or quantify either on the side of being an expert or on the side of having no expertise whatsoever. Um, but to just be authentic to who you are and who you've become um, and allow that to just stand on its own merits. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as we did recording it with our good friend Santiago. As I'm listening to it again and just sort of processing this conversation, you know, one of the things I was most touched by, and, and I truly meant it when I said it earlier, that I had struggled for a long time to receive anything meaningful from older men, you know, just confident that they didn't know what they were talking about. You know, they were over the hill and, and beyond help. And at the close of our conversation, as Santiago was just reminding us of how involved he was staying in our stories, even from a distance, even with you know time passing and, and miles between, there was just a sense that came over me again of just how great it feels to have someone in your corner and not just, you know, sort of a, a peer not just sort of a, a friend who's at the same stage in life. And there is incredible value for that. And I am so thankful for the people that I have that are like that. But again, I was just, I was listening to this again. And the feeling that came over me of knowing that there is an older man someplace out there that has walked some hard miles well in advance of me and who is taking the time in the midst of his life and all the things that God is working on in him that he's taking the time to turn and look back over his shoulder and say you're doing good kid you're doing good that was just that was just a really cool moment so again Santiago I know you're listening because you're one of our most faithful followers thank you my friend not only for taking the time to talk with me and Tom but for the investment that you continue to make in our lives. You have made a difference, my friend, far more than you know, and for that we are incredibly grateful. And for all the other guys listening, regardless of where you are, I hope you also took to heart some of the things that Santiago said in his story. Find someone and don't put them on a pedestal because you're setting yourself up for disappointment, but every single person, whether they're younger than you or older than you, uh, whether they're in the same sort of sphere professionally or relationally or whatever, they have something to offer. Find them and listen. Find them and filter through all the other stuff that could possibly get in the way. But listen until you've found at least that one thing that you can take away. It's worth it. It's, it's so worth it. It's worth it to just put the pride on the shelf, check the ego, and just be receptive. It is truly life-changing. There, there's value in all of it. There's value in anything that comes from anyone that feels like it's hitting a need in your life. But there is something special that comes from an older guy talking to a younger guy. It just it hits a need that each of us feels deeply, whether we're aware of it or not. So thank you 
all of you guys for being a part of this journey with us. Whether you're younger than us or older than us, you all have something to offer here. And so again, we just want to invite you to continue to engage with us in whatever form and fashion uh, is easiest for you, uh, whether it's through social media, whether it's through an email, whether it's, I don't know, drive over to Tom's house and say hi, <laughs> you know, whatever the case, engage. Engage at a deeper level than you have before with one person and see what God has in store for you. You will be amazed. And so until next time, this is John on behalf of Tom and Mike and our good friend Santiago. Thank you for being a part of Strong Towers. We'll see you next time.